This is Multinew Media. I'm Chase Raz, and with me is Chris Ayers. Chris, hi. How you doing? How's it going, man? Oh, we were talking just before the show started. I got to be honest. I have a headache today and just I've been doing so much corporate training. I want to complain about the embarrassment of riches that I have in terms of items on my schedule right now. I love it. But, you know, it's always a double edged sword. Yeah, I've got a big backlog that seems to grow every day with things I want to work on, uh, things I want to write, things I want to develop, things I want to learn. Oh, no. If we add that into the mix, then oh, boy. Yeah. Oh boy, that well, and that backlog I don't is crazy. Have a very special event I'm planning for, like you do. Your wife's first Mother's Day. Aha! I was wondering you could go, have gone several ways <laughs> with that gotcha, and I wanted to know which way you were going. Yeah, no, that's so. Oh, so by the time anyone hears this episode, it's going to be the the Monday after, and so yeah, um, not doing a whole bunch. She wanted to, she Doesn't just matter. wanted to stay local, and that's fine. Yeah. Just do something special. Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be that'll be great. And um yeah, so speaking of big events, Microsoft had one last week. Or as we're recording, you know, well still this last week. Microsoft had build twenty seventeen. Yeah, it looks exciting. Um um I'm supposed to go to Dev Intersections in a couple of weeks, uh, which is gonna have a lot of the same speakers, a lot of the same content, but down here in Orlando. So I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot of it and have hands-on with a lot of the stuff. Um, I had some coworkers who had the opportunity to go to Build. So three of them are, are probably flying back from Build tonight. Oh, come on. Or, They're probably out at the bars in Seattle. They'll fly back tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you realize how annoying the time shift is going from the west to the east coast. And yeah, that's true. I've only done going that there, once. Listen, it was a, I took a red eye back from San Francisco once, and yeah. I, I, no, just I will never. Oh, I did it once from Seattle and landed at 5.30 or 6 in the morning here in Tampa and went to work mm-hmm. that day. You went to work that day? Yeah, <laughs> like about an hour after I landed. I, I got into Atlanta like at 6 a.m., flew back out from Atlanta at 7, got in Tampa at 8, and I think I went home and slept. No, and that's just I, I, that's I just from California, that. or you know the, that's not even. No, I was from Seattle. I, I was up in Seattle yeah. for an event. No, I'm saying those poor, poor people who have to fly back and forth between you know China and the U.S. or Japan and the U.S. I couldn't do it. No, uh, we have some some QA guys that live in India, and every once in you know every couple months, they'll go home or come back, and they're like, yeah, it's like. 14 hour flight and then a this hour flight and then with the time zones it's like 20 something hours or no, day and a half thank you I have Skype <laughs> so <laughs> I love hey, you well, but, but it's not, yeah so speaking of Skype um, one of the things and this isn't really where I want to start but Microsoft talked a lot about mixed reality at build this year did you kind of expect that to happen or or was it kind of oh, yeah. hey we missed the phone boat let us keep talking about this thing uh, no, relentlessly. They, they, I know that they were doing mixed reality. Uh, it's obvious. I mean, Google pushed Daydream uh, last year was Oculus and Vive with virtual reality, and Microsoft released the HoloLens for its you know AR MR type stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually have a coworker in our office that has a HoloLens dev kit that I've got to play around with, and it, it's interesting. I, I feel like that's almost a little underpowered because it's a self-contained Windows 10 machine. Well, of, of course. It's a it's a PC who's, that's doing all sorts of geographic Stuff. computation on your head. But it's really <laughs> cool. Like, you could enable the, like, the 3D grid and start looking around, and you would see it mapping everywhere you looked. Yeah. Um, the biggest complaint I've heard about the, the HoloLens, and, and definitely seeing it, it's a very small viewport. Like directly in front of your eyes. I think this is one of the reasons that I don't reach out to people who have the dev kits. And and, and the university I teach at, we have a couple of them. I don't reach out. I don't ask to view them because I keep hearing the disappointment in people. No, it's cool. But it's the field of view is narrow. Well, that's the thing. Like you would think. So you can't just use your eyes to look around. You have to kind of tilt your head to look around. A lot of things. Well, okay, so I didn't mean to bring that up first. So why, why don't you tell me, kick it off here, what what was the purpose of Build 2017 looking in hindsight at it? Well, I would suggest anybody that's interested in Build 
uh, actually go out to the Channel 9 site and the, the build page, build.microsoft.com. They have a whole bunch of videos that have been recorded uh, from the conference. Mm. But a lot of the highlights are they pushed AI. AI everywhere. Every, oh, every, 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 everywhere. everywhere. AI. They, they, they've introduced a new IoT thing called Azure IoT Edge, where they're trying to take some of the cloud bits, so Azure Functions and even some of your your cloud services and stuff, and push them down to run on uh, on IoT devices. See, I love and, that. I loved it. And they're running. It's like you build a container. So, so containers is a big thing they talked about for like Azure virtualization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Windows supports containers. That's how they're bringing new versions of Linux to run on Windows. But they're talking about taking containers that you push up into the cloud, you push also down to IoT devices with like 128 to 512 megs of memory that maybe you have an IoT device sitting on your machinery on the shop floor monitoring temperature and pressure and, and stuff and instead of waiting for a signal to go up to the cloud and get analyzed and come back down it's running already on the box and it just it it, it makes the decision to like turn off the machine yeah and then that was a great um case study that microsoft brought up i believe that was what day one i think yeah, they were talking about day, that? One. day um, one they were talking about shutting down you know expensive million dollar machines in fractions of a second rather than having to wait on a two minute compute cycle of going to the cloud crunching the numbers and returning a decision and they moved that down to what was it a couple of seconds uh, milliseconds. M- milliseconds. So, and and you know, listen, I, I I've been thinking of the way I want to say this as you were describing it. I think I'm just going to go for Microsoft's marketing speak. Remember how Microsoft always said, um, not always, but over the past couple of years, we're in a mobile first, cloud first world. Yeah. They updated that to be intelligent cloud, intelligent edge. And yeah. I think that's them trying to move past and saying, yeah, we know mobile's not just here. It's tried and true we're in an established pattern and we're looking at what's next i, I kind of think they're right on well, this i'm going to jump to day two a little bit they talked about their new they call it a design system so previously we heard about metro with windows 8 you know german uh, supermarkets loving that name they had to change it to something <laughs> else yeah. it's now been called the fluent design system yeah right and so we've had metro this. universal but they're still using universal right. as distinct from but the old the metro and now fluent system is where how they recommend it's it's for ar for vr for mr it's for touch it's for mouse it's for keyboard it's for uh eye tracking and head tracking it's for pen interfaces it's for tablet it, it's for desktop it, it's for laptop it, it's for everything right. so this so and that's just consistent with what they're trying to do. Their Visual Studio Suite, they're trying to support all the mobile things. Their uh, their new update coming out later in the year, they want to integrate with Android and iOS. The Azure app they released, so you could do cloud admin from your phone, they released on iOS and Android. Like, they're just supporting all the things everywhere. So this is and a lot of AI everywhere, and, and they're just embracing everything. Well, that's technically true, technically not, right? So let me pause you for a moment because you're bringing up a lot of good points and a lot of things they talked about. But I think yeah. if we go to the one central point that Microsoft is pushing, whether they directly said it or indirectly said, this is the one thing that defines us. I'd almost argue that it's their Azure cloud platform, yeah. and that it's what is truly intelligent. Um, you know, you're talking about AI. It's Azure yeah, that's they, doing that. They, they push it all back to the cloud. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, using their cloud, that's where they've um, they really hyped their AI, and some they had some amazing examples on uh, camera equipped AI. They said that you know I've I've talked previously, you know, just the last episode or two about cognitive services and some of the things that Cortana brings the you know Cortana analytics brings with the voice recognition and the image recognition they added video analysis to their suite they said mm. when they launched it they were at like 15 APIs they're up to like 29 different types of APIs um, which I'm so glad we did that show just a couple of episodes ago and then you look at what they did like they had some cameras on like a construction yard and a work area and people got alerts on their phone hey there's an unrecognized person in the area and, and they can like 
oh, this is an employee, and they could like text with this bot framework stuff that they're hyping. Yeah. Like, and it took one of the pictures of their face. It could identify all the objects in the scene. And one of the examples was, hey, where's the like jackhammer? And it would look through all the cameras and send back, oh, it's on this in this room or on this floor. Well, yeah, let's dig into that. I do, I do want to make a uh, little bit of a really public cool. announcement. So I said a couple of episodes. Really, if you look back, this will be episode 72. If you look back, the topic we covered, Azure Cognitive Services, was episode 71. For me, oh, okay. in my head, it's a couple episodes back because I worked on one or two episodes in between and we had production problems with one of our guests. So those episodes just never ended up materializing. So it, it really is our last episode, our previous episode before this. But... I want to call out, you're, you're given the example of what Microsoft had on stage. They said, okay, we're going to show this video and we're, we're demonstrating that here's your workplace, here's all your equipment, and we're tracking it all. We're tracking people, automatically taking pictures of visitors. Yeah. But isn't that the promise of IoT that's been around forever and we're just finally able to do it? I mean, I used to tell students about six, seven well, years yeah. ago, one day we're going to push a button and we're going to say, where is every chair in my office and which one is out of place? Well, Kind of. I mean, how long have we been trying to get image analysis going? Like, it was only the last year or two where Facebook and Instagram tagging. Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I think is unique. I always thought that we'd play this out with like RFID and Wi Fi of the chair example I gave. Well, let's slap a bunch of RFID on our chairs, but we don't even need to do that. We can just, we can visually see it and let the computer process it. Well, and they've taken it beyond just that. With a lot of those things, you needed a really good picture of your face or something. They've built such deep neural networks, and they've been training the model on all the stuff, like everything going through their search engines and Bing and and, uh, Skype. Like, they've probably built up so many amazing... you know, algorithms and it's demonstrated. And, and that, that stage example, again, they were like, Hey, a violation of, of how you store equipment. Like Jack cameras always have to be laying down, not vertical. It knew the difference. (laughs) Listen, if anybody has seen the video that you're referencing or goes back and watches it, it it I want to point out, I want to point out how fake it was. This is Coming, you know, from the corporate world, I'm watching this, and the example you're describing is exactly there's a jackhammer, and so the computer sees it and says, "Listen, you're storing this improperly. Have somebody go restore it uh, because it's standing up." So he lays it down in the middle of the floor to trip over. I know. How many people did that bother? It couldn't have just been me. But I'm. But think about five years ago, somebody saying that we can do that. Yeah, they would have said, "Yeah, good luck." Not that. It's po- not that it's like nobody. Practical. Yeah, nobody Can would have said it was impossible. It? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. I don't think anybody would have said it's impossible. I think they would have said we're 10, 20 years out. Right. That's my point. And 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 um, Microsoft, you know, they they did it. I think day two they started pushing more of the their bot framework. They they've they're pushing Cortana in more places. They got a Cortana skill kit coming out, so they're trying to compete with Echo. Um, and Alexa for by Amazon and mm-hmm. Google Home, they um, they really were trying to hype. Oh, see, there's mine. <laughs> <laughs> they were really trying to uh, hype. Pick up where you left off on day uh, two. Was that your Cortana or your your Alexa that, that was, went off? That was my Alexa. Oh, I had to guess. I couldn't quite hear it. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of that does go back. So if if a couple of years ago you would have still said Microsoft is defined by Windows. And before that, it was DOS. And before that, it was BASIC. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're defined by Windows anymore. No. They're, what would you say is synonymous with Microsoft at this point? It would ha- I, I'm surprisingly, after today, it, it might be more AI, but in the past, it's kind of been more cloud. See, I'm, that's what I'm – I'm going to go straight with Azure because I'm going to go with the product, right? BASIC wasn't their product, but they kind of revolutionized how it worked from the Altair on. Then DOS, which – originally wasn't theirs then windows now i i really think it's i really think that azure is the core definition of microsoft and what we should think of first and it feels like windows as a service and i'm using my terminology of that not their brand name but i think windows as a service is what they're using to tie it together and cortana's just even windows as a service man i mean but windows has listen it's not just marketing windows has truly been transformed into a service no what i mean is as far as developers go they are 
going feet first into Mac. And oh, yeah. Linux, they're, they're, they're branching out into, we want the devs on all the environments to use Visual Studio. Or, hey, we want you running Linux in our cloud. We want you running Linux on your desktops because we're going to support um, Ubuntu and OpenSUSE and Fedora on your Windows 10 machine. Hey, we want to do containers. Just like people do Docker on Linux, we mm-hmm. want you to do Docker on Windows and Windows Server. Hey, you want, we want you to run Linux in your containers on our servers. We want you to virtualize this stuff. Hey, you know Service Fabric, that, that cloud framework we developed that we run Azure on top of? Hey, we're going to give you the SDK, and you can run the same bits on your machines to try it out. And you want to run Linux inside your things or Kubernetes, which is a, a container uh, environment that I believe was developed by Google or um, Amazon. Hey, go ahead. We want you to just – you want to run VMs? Run VMs. You want to run Windows services? Run Windows services. You want to do cloudless computing? Do that. Like they – like you said, I think it's a cloud but their AI is built on their cloud. So the AI is what distinguishes them from Amazon or Google or IBM at this point. Well, I mean, Google has uh, an AI but framework. Then I, I mean, believe Amazon does too. Even in the most hopeful of marketing that's out there, I haven't seen Google even come anywhere close to this. I mean, they have their, their cloud learning. That's a, that's a thing that a lot of people I think use, but I don't think it's hyped and, 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 uh, marketed as much as Cortana. Do you think that using cognitive services on Azure would outperform the machine learning services on Google cloud or do we not know enough? I don't know enough to have any statements about the effectiveness of services of Amazon or Google's See, I, cloud. I, services. I would love for somebody who but, listens, who does work with both to let me know, because I'm curious the way it's being pitched. But they're also pitching all the things that all the normal, they've even said, Hey, you, you have R and Python models that you've used in other services. Mm-hmm. We can run those models. I mean, that's like, the ultimate retrenchment of a, of a developer company who saw windows slipping who was concerned about Office being, you know, really their only stellar breakout before cloud. And I think this is a retrenchment back to the basics of, okay, you know, there was no Windows PC. There was no DOS PC when they started. Like I said, they were on the Altair 8800, right? That's the other really cool thing I saw. Did did you see the live translator demo? Yes, yeah, multiple languages. Let's see, they were going between, what was it, uh, English, French, and Chinese? This presenter was Spanish. Spanish. And she was using PowerPoint and she told it, I want to translate subtitles into English. Mm-hmm. And so it added a slide or two in the front of her presentation. This is like some integration with PowerPoint. And it had a, um, a QR code. And they had someone scan the QR code and it loaded up the Cortana Translate or the, the, the Skype Translate or whatever it is application. She spoke and subtitles appeared right below it and the other presenter uh, had it configured for Japanese so there's English subtitles showing up on the, the, the PowerPoint presentation and then in his little app that he had scanned it he's seeing Japanese kanji characters so that's interesting and I'm going to have to go back and watch that that's not what I saw I, oh, saw, that's what I saw yeah I saw while they were talking about the cognitive services on Azure doing real translations in real time this uh, was real time Right, like no, she's right, but not not in PowerPoint. I saw something else, and then because um, I remember the gentleman, oh, what's his name, um, Chinese gentleman at Microsoft. Right. He had trouble getting it to to respond right. to him. That was so. She was doing a a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, so it was and, the same video. I'm just clueless. Right, right, yes. Okay. So she was doing a PowerPoint presentation. She was speaking in Spanish. She had English subtitles, and he in his little app, yeah, um, got the the Japanese or Chinese characters. Well, then she she had everyone muted. She unmuted the audience and said. Now we can take questions. And so he tried saying something in, in Chinese or Japanese, and he tried two or three times. Um, and like I don't think it picked him up the first time right. or two. I'm but, so happy that I'm back in my natural state of being completely clueless. So that's just on me. It's been a busy week, like I said. Right. Um, and the third time he said it, and it showed up in English, like written down. And so he said it in the, you know, and they said they support 60 different languages. Which is like amazing. we're so close to a universal, like universal translator. That is so cool I, to Okay, me. so that, uh, <laughs> listen, I was going to trans, uh, there, I was going to move us close. on to another topic for a moment, but I want to pause there for a moment because occasionally we do sci-fi episodes. We talk about futurism, which is one of the underlying parts of this show, even though we're business and technology. But the, I mean, can you, 
we're talking about five years ago, you saying people couldn't imagine that this type of cloud service is available. Years ago, they kind of inter- – like, maybe it was last year but I if, heard that there was a device that was a translator. Even those same five years ago, having seen what the initial work with translation services through Google and Microsoft and others was, and you told me that we were going to be near universal translator in before 2020 – I no, I would have told you go back to square one. You're missing a few. <laughs> you're missing right. a few ideas here. We got to get a better foundation. But I would be the one who's completely wrong. Yeah, I was very impressed by some of the demos. Like what? I realized it was a controlled environment. I realized some of them were probably a little faked. Well, here, here's I don't the, think all of them were. Here's and the last thing we need for a true sci-fi style universal translator. We need that neural network. To be able to say, okay, here's a language we haven't trained you for. Can you detect it? Yeah, learn the structure and the Right. If we can get to that, wow. I want to see us apply it to gestures with ants and clicks with dolphins just to see if the machine learning can pick up on it. Last year, there was like an XPRIZE or something for a tricorder. Hmm. And those pop it's, up from time to time. The the the, oh, the no, they, 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 well, they had the medical they, tricorder and it worked, and that, it would scan. That's what and, I'm talking about. Yeah, it's impressive, but I, I mean, I, I don't expect to see it in my doctor's office in the no. next couple of years. Like I do expect to see these translation services because that intelligent cloud, intelligent edge uh, marketing speak. I do expect to see that on my phone. Uh, so, what did you want to talk about next? Okay, so. I wanted to put off for a moment where I think we'll go last is some of the developer tools with Xamarin and .NET Core and XAML. But before we get there, I wanted to bring up something that Microsoft talked a lot about that you may be able to help me with. Sure. The Microsoft Graph. Okay. Pretend that, that, uh, pretend I'm five years old and have no idea. All right, sure. <laughs> it's so, not far off from true. So you know a, a database. Mm-hmm. It's a table of data. It's It's tabular data. Yes. That is stored. So what if I wanted to store your family tree? Okay. All right. So we're going to have some entity tables and some transaction tables, right? Well, a tree is a type of graph. Okay. So you could come up with a way. So I'm going to have to force it to a database. Huh? So you're saying instead of having to force it into a tabular form, we can do something else? Yes. Ah. Edges. Keep going. And so when you th- a graph is defined by vertices and edges, points where uh, multiple points that are connected by you know one or more edges. Um, so, like if you've seen a subway map, that's a graph. Oh sure. Yeah. Where, yeah. Each stop would be a point, and then the edges. You know, like org charts. Right. Part of it. Would be perfect to be stored in this graph. So types of things you'd go build in, speaking of Microsoft, you'd go build in Visio or something, hierarchy charts, yeah. things like Hierarchies, that. Hierarchies, networks, thing, you know, just connected nodes. And so what my, when Microsoft talks about these graphs, you can use it to take all these different data sources that you have. Have you been on, on MicrosoftOffice.com and gone into Delph? Yeah, uh, very little, but yes. Are you familiar with Delph? So, so I'm familiar. You know, it is a graphing tool that shows the activity across your your network and your enterprise. Resources by relationships. Mm. So when you go into some of these tools, and I believe those use graph behind the scenes, it can be like, hey, you interact with this person the most out of your network. And they look at your interactions based on like, oh, I Skyped them or I emailed them. Right, and it can present contextual team. items for you to act on. Right, right. That, or that, you guys email a lot about this thing or you know like it just gets it starts to discover relationships and this is where some of the ai fits in and some of the data fits in because you start getting lots of data points if you use if you use your phone and you check in in places or you have transactions or you email or you text um, or you get directions on your car you know from one place to another with your car uh, for driving and you know, you start working on a project and things are titled the same a lot, it can start using all these data points to build up this graph. And I know it seems, it can, sounds big brothery, sounds scary, I get that. Well, a little um, bit, but not, I mean. And that's one of the things they're pushing. I don't think like, any of our listeners are overly concerned about that because they're coming from the technical like side. Now. They know how to circumvent it. It's like Google Now and it's like Cortana where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you've got an appointment coming up. Oh, remind me to do this thing. It, it, 
you know, calendar invites, meeting invites, um, bringing up information about who it is and what else they're working on, tying that all together. And that was one of the things they started pushing. But here's my fail point with understanding that. So I really love the analogy you gave to databases. But in the future, so let's say I go build a mobile application or I build a web app. Am I going to choose for some reason to build my own tiny graph instead of using my own database, right? Instead of Maybe. setting Mongo or MySQL or something up, am I going to go say, all right, I'm going to use this uh, graph and I'm going to have all this content and all of these people and all of these things in the graph. Would that happen or is this something that big companies with cloud infrastructure are going to use? So Because Facebook uh, and Microsoft are the only companies Maybe. I really know touting a graph. No, no, there's other people. Um, I'm sure there's use. other people there, but they're the only ones I hear constantly over so and over. Gra- well, Graph, um, it's actually, I think, their implementation of something called Gremlin. And, and they mentioned Gremlin DB a couple of times during their presentation. And Gremlin is uh, a language designed for graph querying. Okay, like so. Build- so it seems like graphs are just something I'm super not um, knowledgeable on. Should do some research and maybe we'll do a yeah. show on that in the future. Uh, Hadoop. Have you heard of Hadoop? Uh-huh. Hadoop can do graphs. It, okay, so it can do graphs, but Hadoop itself is not, uh, you know, some type of right. graph tool itself. Yeah, and the example they used, and I could see like Wikipedia doing something like this a little bit, was they were like, look, we imported it in the Marvel database or the Marvel wiki. And so you can like, look up a character and ask like who his enemies are or who his allies are or who are his enemies that work for Hydra. Ah, I like, yeah. You you see this? So So, that's where I said your family tree, like who are my aunts? So from the business side, it actually helps a little bit because marketing and marketing, Microsoft, the two words are synonymous, aren't they? Microsoft gave a lot of marketing cues to those of us in business. Just because, you know, we're not developers, but we casually watch to see what's going on. And they gave a lot of cues to us, I think, when they kept saying things like connecting the devices and the people and the services. And that's what the graph is for so that I know what device you're on, you know, where you performed a particular action. Yeah, if you start – if you, this group of people works closely together a lot, mm-hmm. maybe we shouldn't split them up or um, whenever uh, you need to start working on something in Excel, maybe working on the budget, these are the people they contact. I have and a new project. seeing that stuff. You weren't in this episode. Did you ever go back and listen to our digital love episode? No. I pitched this idea where we use – like a, site, a social network where Facebook in the future uses this graph and dating sites use this and you never leave the dating site your entire life, even when you're not dating, even if you're old and married and not, right? That type of graph, I think that's the application of where we're going. That's of, what Facebook is. You realize Facebook is has, right, has the, a graph. I hear them posting the open graph, graph on and on and on. And that's where from a business side, I think a lot of us, and maybe I'm unique in this, um, like I said, on the business side, I really only hear Microsoft and Facebook constantly pushing this graph idea. I know it's out there yeah. in the development okay. world, but it doesn't trickle down into business as much, so uh, here, like except Facebook, through those two. Their graph API, what's a node? They are things, like a user, a photo, a page, a comment. What are the edges? They're the connections between the things, like a page's photos or a photo's comments or my friends. And that's where you can do like, well, who are the, my, the friends of my friends of my friends? That's this graph API. Oh, uh, there is a website that I wish I could reference right now. I'm trying to find myself Everything? on it. No, I know I, I Everything know too. I know I have one. It's it's there's a um a company website. I want to say, okay. uh, it's for looking up individuals in in that own organizations, right? So the ownership of companies, and it shows. In the form of a graph. Now, all of it's powered by a database. They're not using a graph that's been around forever. But um, it shows in the form of what the connections are. And so if I own one business and you click on me, it will show all of the businesses I own and all of the people I own those businesses with. Someone out there knows the name of the site and I can't think of it right now. But see, sites like that would be really good uh, if translated from a database to a graph. Yeah. Sorry. So, so I, I guess I didn't understand a graph fully as they were talking about it, and you're kind of blowing my mind and and um, helping me understand it, it better. It's just a different way to store bits of data and the connections between them. 
Right. And so if, if it centers around me, it would be my emails and my text messages and my documents and my pictures. And um, when we start to, you know, in my events and my event might be tied to all these pictures and I might have other people at that event. And so that was one of the things they were pushing with some of the new windows 10 updates they're talking about and multiple devices where, um, you know, there's multiple parents at a soccer game and I wanted to capture some pictures of that and they all shared it to the same event. I was able to go and grab some of their pictures that they had, you know, shared. Does it make more sense for us now why Microsoft bought LinkedIn for $26.2 billion? Um, Well, one, uh, you know, they really pushed, they tried to target schools a lot too. They they have Mm -hmm. developer programs for schools, get people while they're young, train them on their equipment, train them on their Well, I'm not talking about for that, to put them in the graph as a part of the graph. Get getting certifications, they all integrate into LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reinforcing your skill set, looking at you know. This seems expanding. very much like Disney because right, Disney had the problem where they didn't connect with an entire generation of boys. So what did they do? They start XD so that at Disney XD as a channel to get younger boys, and then for the boys that have become men that they lost, what did they buy? They bought Marvel, they, which by the way is is a, very much appeals to women just as much, but a primary demographic target. Uh, Marvel would say so. They buy Marvel and they buy Lucasfilm. Right. This feels like that to me. We buy Minecraft. We buy LinkedIn. We've got you from the time you're young and interested in Legos. Now we've got you all the way to the time you're in your career and developing. They uh, they actually pushed – it was last week right before Build. They pushed a new uh, education version of Minecraft and uh, called Make Craft or Make Code Minecraft or something. Mm. And it's there's a school-based one where – a classroom can pretty much have a Minecraft server and have all the people in it at once and you can start coding in JavaScript yeah. to like yeah I've heard they're using JavaScript for that I haven't experimented with it um, and that'd be another thing we could look at the original one was a lot of Python uh, the new one they've been rewriting that's in Windows 10 is like think all C sharp based instead of Java like yeah. the original one was so let me let me pull back from the Microsoft graph because some folks out there are going to say, yeah, okay, Chase, we get it. You're the only one who doesn't understand this. And other people, hopefully we helped. But let's move into some of the development tools, the stuff that you really specialize in. I heard a lot of announcements about dot, uh, .NET Core, Xamarin yep. Forms, XAML. Yep. I'm happy, by the way, that's the one I'm most interested so, in, XAML, spec, uh, Z- XAML Standard 1.0. I'm more interested in .NET Standard. Well, you're not a front-end guy. You wait till I explain to you why .NET Standard is cool. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So the .NET framework is huge. It's been on Windows for for years, and, and it's got all these APIs to do things. And so when people write libraries and they they write it for .NET framework on Windows, and they want to take it to Linux and Mac. Well, that framework's not supported on those. You might have Mono, which was kind of an implementation, but it wasn't. Dot net, you know, full dot net. Right. So a lot of things wouldn't work. So they came out with dot net core and it's like, hey, we've learned a lot. We've had all these things we built up over the years. We're going to start over and just get down to the small nugget of what you need to write apps and, and serve web pages and stuff. And we're going to make that on all the platforms. That was dot, dot, uh, that was dot net core 1.0. Mm-hmm. They kind of started over, had a lot of lessons they learned. So they, in the past, they had what they called portable class libraries, and this is where you could write a library with code, you know, of code and share it between maybe Windows Phone 8 and maybe a Windows app for eight, Windows 8.1 or you know, like a XAML app or Universal Windows app. But it was this very funky thing. Like Pete, the portable class libraries really sucked. Like it was this overlapping Venn diagram of what are you going to support and not support. And it was very confusing and very hard for people to write reusable code. What they're coming out with, with .NET Standard uh, 1.0, which was, uh, .NET Standard 1.0 was .NET Core. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a very, very small set of APIs. If you wrote it for that, it would be work, supported on a lot of things, but it wasn't, um, it was still like a PCL type of thing. It was very small support. The .NET Standard 2.0 that, that they're talking about coming out with right now, is going to support all of .NET Core 2, which will be full Mac, Linux, Windows, and it will be Xamarin. So it'll, if you write a standard 2.0 library, it will work on iOS and Android mm-hmm. with Xamarin mm-hmm. and Windows 10 and, 
and, and all that stuff. It will work everywhere, pretty much. And the other cool thing that they're doing with the .NET Standard 2.0 library is they're bringing in a shim. Uh, a shim is like, you know, if your table wobbles and sure. you get a little piece of wood and you sure you wedge it on under it, there. That's a shim. That's a shim. It fills in the missing gaps. Mm-hmm. With .NET Standard 2.0, you can take code written in like .NET 2, like 10 or 15 year old Some old stuff, and you can include them in your .NET 2 standard library, and it will have a shim to kind of just make it work. So you can, you know, you, you bring in your old code, you put it into this new .NET 2.0 standard library, and then you can deploy that on a Windows machine, or you can deploy it on an iOS app with Xamarin, or you can deploy it on a Linux box, or you can deploy it on a Mac, because the 2.0 standard libraries and that shim will just kind of fill in the gaps. So if you have a business app that you've written that has been in use for years and you have some code that you can't rewrite everything. Yeah, some 10-year-old logic and it's just what it is. Right. You've got this thing. It's got the perfect tax calculation or it does all of the inventory management and it talks to all the things and you don't want to rewrite it. You don't. Have, the guy who wrote it's gone. Like whatever. <laughs> no one knows how to support it. It's a magical black box. Right. You could drop it in the library and go include it in your modern web app and your mobile app and your Linux app and your Windows and your Mac app and it should work. And they said the shim that they've been working on with the .NET Center 2 supports 70% of all the NuGet packages that are out there today. And the example they used was he got like a sharp zip, a DLL from like 2002 <laughs> and dropped it into his application and deployed it to like a, a, an iOS app. Hey, listen, as long as we don't have to deal with DLLs anymore as business people and consumers, I'm happy. Like you guys deal with them, repackage them, shim yeah. them all you want. So that stuff's really cool. Um, but that answers nice- a question. There was a question when, when Microsoft started using the term UWP, Universal Windows Platform, right, and then started just calling things Universal Apps. When that happened, there was a big question. They said, wait a second, what's this term change in terminology? Do you mean to say that with Xamarin and other things, one day we'll be able to publish the same code base everywhere? And the the answer now appears to be, you know, 99.9%. Yes. And they're getting even closer. So in the past, so they did acquire Xamarin Mm -hmm. last, I think it was last year. Which lets you take your uh, C-sharp code and put it on Android and iOS, correct? Uh, to a degree, yeah. It Am I being too simplistic? They had the studio on Mac that you know Microsoft has acquired now. They've done some work on. It wasn't just a rebranding, and that it that's probably the basis of the new Visual Studio for Mac, the Xamarin Studio in the past. Okay. Um, but on Mac, well, on I Windows, don't know. They didn't they say they built Visual Studio on the Mac from the ground up? They might have, but I'm going to bet that some of the technologies in the heart of it oh, sure, yeah. are, are left over from Xamarin Studio. Sure. But you could start a new Windows project. I want to make a mobile app, and it would give you a target for an iOS application, an Android application, and a Windows application. And you could have a couple of shared libraries that are used between all three and then have interface-specific stuff on Android and iOS and all that. Well... Historically, the XAML, the XML mm-hmm. uh, that describes the interfaces for the mobile apps, was different. Yeah, yeah, Windows there, there were there were different. Mobile. Yeah, there were different versions of XAML. And that's why I mean I'm excited about that new standard. And they've standardized it. Yeah. So now the same XAML will work everywhere and be standardized. Like that's buying Xamarin lets them equalize the landscape. And you know that's, that's how you solidify. That's how you solidify development. And I mean, think how um, they missed that niche. Xamarin came in and did it. And now Microsoft acquired them and kind of leveled the playing field. Go, nope, standard libraries across the board, standard interface descriptions across the board, standard technology across the board. We now support all the things. And, you know, I think that's smart because remember, we were getting to the point to where, I mean, this is one of the reasons that Windows wasn't successful in the form, uh, the, the phone form factor is how many more things do we have to write to? This is one of the reasons, arguably, that people have said the Apple Watch didn't do as well as it could or should have. I think it was the interface thing, personally. Well, uh, I have one. I love it for notifications and calendar. That's it. I don't use apps on my phone. You know, my, I, my I, I don't I don't know if many people actually do. 
I mean, maybe Dick Tracy back in the 1920s. But, but I mean, all right, there is that argument, though, for one small factor. I mean, that's the other, the Windows Phone case. That's not what, you know, made Windows Phone not work. But it's there's one of the little factors that's involved in it. But the, really, if you can write one code base and then make, you know, UI changes to deploy everywhere from an Apple Watch to, um, you know, an HTML-based phone, maybe an Ubuntu phone, or something like that. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that that was a cool thing. Um, a lot of the, I mean, they talked about the bot framework last year. They've enhanced it more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about one of the big features of day two, I think, was the uh, pick up where you left off. And they had like a little acronym. It was like PUW. I don't remember w- what it was either. I heard it, it just kind of brushed yeah. it off as so more they, they kept saying it over and over again. And it was because like you're working on an Excel file and you, you, you know, you do something, you get on your phone, you bring up Cortana. It's like, oh, did you want to resume looking at the news or resume editing your XM, you know, Excel file? Yeah, because like, it's on the cloud. There, there are new OneDrive tools. It'll go grab the file for you if you don't have it and yeah, uh, uh, bring it to you. Yeah, they also said they changed OneDrive, so they're finally going to – they integrated it into the OS level. Or, or it was so low, it was underneath the command prompt and underneath Word. Um, and it was it was a, actually a pretty cool little demo. It is a neat he, demo. I mean, I don't know if he made who... a file on one computer and just saved it, and uh-huh. he goes to another computer and like does a directory with DOS. Right, and, and it's it's there. The little placeholder for the file is there, but the file is not there. As right. soon as he like says type out the the file, like show the contents, it like goes and downloaded it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's an excellent replacement for placeholders. I I don't know if it was worth. I mean, I think they should have kept placeholders in place until they had that ready to go because it's been a major inconvenience over about the past year of well, not placeholders, having placeholders. They said would fill up a hard drive and it would it would cause a lot of uh, corruption and errors. Oh. Okay. It, yeah. it was. It, that's why they said they, that I was mean, one of the reasons. Yeah, as you start it. getting terabytes of data, I'm sure that happens. But as a .NET developer doesn't have to be a .NET answer. Of everything that Microsoft talked about in Build 2017, what has you most excited personally and what do you think is Microsoft be- Microsoft's best bet? Now, those two could be the same answer or they could be different. What's most exciting to you? What do you think their best bet is? I was kind of... Uh, I mean, I was very impressed by the the applications of the AI tools that they've provided um seeing the things implemented seeing the things actually working like i mean you yeah. can see that there's an api out there cuz they kept saying real code well, yeah um this stuff really exists it's not a demo i um i am looking forward to the next windows update um that's coming in the fall that uh there were some some nice little features on it um, I th- I think that one of the big features is kind of integrating with iPhones and Android devices better. Yeah. Um, and iTunes coming to the Windows Store. That's big. Forgot to say to. that. They have to. Yeah, I think that's part of that. So, and that's because of Windows S. So Windows yeah. S is the successor to the Windows RT devices of a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not running on ARM. Well, it, it may it in the might, future. <laughs> it might be. May that, by that, the end of enough. by the end of the year, it might. That was a, that's a separate topic. So for those that don't know, Windows S is a streamlined version. Essentially, all you get is the Windows Store right. apps. You can't run like normal desktop things. You can just run anything in the Windows Store pretty So much. the thing that it's, killed Windows Phone, the true reason, apps, is what they're banking on with Windows. But I, I think it's smart to do it, this on the desktop. But it's a locked down managed experience for mm-hmm. education and some corporate environments where it's like you just need a browser. Oh, come on. Let, let me, speaking of marketing, you know that's a marketing ploy. That's the of test bed. Is. That's the test bed. Because what test happened? Bed. Windows 8.1, Microsoft has never come out and said they made a mistake and they didn't. What they did is they I, thrust the future on us way too fast in a poorly thought out execution. I had no problems with Windows 8. And, and yeah, we've, we've talked about that. It worked for us, but it was still fairly poorly thought out and moved too fast. There were some. I, I, I was probably the tar- target demographic because from Windows 7, the second they introduced the super search bar, mm-hmm. like under the start menu, yeah, yeah, that was about 
that was a couple years after I had stopped organizing things into folders right. for my email. It was like, oh, I'll just search for it. No, no, I'm in the I'm in the same yeah. boat, but I think what's happened here, Microsoft hasn't backtracked at all. I think they looked and they said, okay, if you're not ready for it and you're not going to accept us building bridges, then we're going to make it a bridge and the entire path forward is the bridge. And I honestly think that's why we saw – this is speculation. I think that's why we saw so many iPhones. I think Microsoft and Apple have definitely been working together and the communication has to be something like, look, this is the future of not just Windows. This is the future of Mac OS as well. You're having trouble moving to the App Store. We're having trouble moving to the App Store, but they know both know it has to happen. So them buying Xamarin definitely gave them a bigger voice with Apple. Like Xamarin was ran as a, a development suite on Mac. Mm-hmm. They wrote app. They they gave you tools to write apps for iOS. Mm-hmm. If there was if there was ever a dialogue between a company and Apple, <laughs> if it wasn't. Microsoft talking like come do stuff Xamarin was probably there helping like that you know and and now that they're all part of the same thing that's probably reinforced that and saying we're going to launch a version of Windows for education and and business and you know you want your phones and like all of the cross device stuff that Microsoft talked about um, of course they reached out to Apple and of course they're going to hype iTunes in this Windows store because Apple's going to work to help integrate Windows into that to have better buy-in on their devices and better – if iTunes on Windows, then that means people are going to buy more songs and more apps. Like mm-hmm. it's a win-win. Music subscriptions, buy more iPhones, pair them to Windows. And yes. I, I do think it's – a like you said, it's a win-win and I, I do – Not everyone's going to buy a Mac. I also believe that it is the future of Windows. Uh, they keep saying that and again – Marketing, you can say it all you want, but I mean it with a lowercase f, no, not marketing. No, it, it's the future because look at the server side and enterprise apps. They pushed containers, virtualization, and all containers mm-hmm. are essentially are just like an app running in a sandbox. Exactly, yeah. It, it, yep. it's, a, it's a little bit bigger than a sandbox. Sure. But, but it's the same kind of concept. It, it's the same concept the app, behind it. it yeah, a server a server application in a container can go batshit crazy and will go cra- you know can can start trying to run rampant and destroy your system and all it'll do is destroy its little container that it lives in. Right. And you can drop it and relaunch it and it's back to the way it was. What happens with an app? An app should be isolated to the point where it can't take down your whole phone or your whole system. Like they live in a little sandbox or virtualized. They have explicit permissions on what they can do. Um, and that's why all your browser tabs have been sandboxed for years. I don't know if you remember when Windows 10 launched, I couldn't debug browsers locally. Right. You couldn't. Yeah. Because Edge was not allowed to talk to your local machine. Right. And you mentioned they were going to do some updates to make that possible. But I remember us talking about that. Yeah. And certain apps can't write to your C drive or access your documents because they don't have permission to. They don't need to. Right. And it's just like with Google uh, on an Android device or an iOS device. You install an app. Can this see your contacts? Can this access your location? Can it access your microphone? That, that's what's happening with the yeah. apps. They're, yep. they're in a little box and you let them – you allow them to do things instead of they run on your desktop and they have – control of the system so i'll tell you real quick to to wrap up i'll answer that question as well that i asked you i'm most excited about fluid design i don't know why (laughs) it doesn't seem like the thing i'd be interested in but i love the videos they produced i love the idea that a ui can scale across to all different platforms all different form factors but i think the thing that microsoft has the the big golden ticket for them well, we know it's Azure, but I'm going to hone in on that Microsoft Graph part. That's why I yeah. wanted you to explain it to me a little bit more, help us understand it, because I think Microsoft Graph gives Microsoft the ability not just to future-proof themselves across platforms like all of their development work does, but that's the future of computing services in general. And right now, we have Google, Microsoft, Facebook playing in that field, and I see Facebook making leaps and strides towards the graph technologies. Microsoft, this is a great chance for them to not have to do what Google did and try to start a social network and say, we can get more information than you can anyway, but keep running your social network. I think that Microsoft Graph is a goldmine for them in the long run. Mm -hmm. 
and, and, and it all ties back into their cloud because the, the graph and the file features are all tied in with um, OneDrive. That's tied in with Cortana. You know, it's all, all, all of that's all built on top of Azure. It, it all ties back in on itself. They're they're building their products with their products on top of their products. You know, they're just reinforcing it. Yeah. All right. So we ran a little bit long, but anything else before we wrap up? Yeah. Did you see the um, the little story thing that's coming out in the next Windows update? Yeah. Story remix I, or I, something like that. Yes. The story or story remix. I thought it was cool in the fact that they had some pictures that automatically and some videos that automatically picked some music. And then like it was a soccer game. Out and of they Groove to nonetheless. This. Pulls music from Groove. Yeah. And they wanted to show a winning soccer goal. And so she went and looked at 3D models and animations that people had wired, uh, created. I'm not going to lie. She, that made me want to do th- some 3D and, yeah. modeling. And she pulled one down and said, oh, it's a fireball. I'm going to have it follow mm-hmm. this soccer ball in the video. And the analysis made it follow. And the kid kicked the ball, and it looked like a fireball flying across the screen. And then she anchored an explosion to the ground where the ball hit. And the motion of the video was perfect and the, that explosion and that ball tracked you know like, what i like the most about that just a normal windows app given to, out by microsoft don't have to pay software for it right or pay money for it it just it worked and i like when quick. you said and it tracked because i have access to the adobe creative suite i yeah, have corel video editing and i use both of them and it isn't it's it's not hard but it's not necessarily the easiest thing to get tracking to work correctly so when I saw that demo, my thought was if that truly works as easily and simply as they illustrated, this is going to make a whole bunch of prosumer uh, video editors fall back down and not need, um, you know, paid software. Yeah, that, that was the, the biggest part. If, if it, it holds simple. up and works that way. It looked simple. It looked easy. And the results were pretty good for click anchor to that. Yeah, like it was. They didn't line it up pixel perfect. They didn't highlight the area. Click, click. That was it. And listen, go check all these videos out. Like Chris said, check out the Channel Nine website. Check out build.microsoft.com. All of the videos are up. Not trying to plug them or anything, but they had some impressive stuff going on. You can put the videos on replays. That's the ones we missed. That's what we're going to do. We talked about that before the show, before recording today. We sit and do uh, one and a half, two times the playback speed and go through the things we missed or were having to work and didn't get to catch. So do that for yourself. See what's going on and get in touch with us. Feedback at multinewmedia.com or check out multinewmedia.com and leave your comments in the episode 72 page. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.